Now, on July 4th, on July 4th, 1776, our Congress got together. There were 13 colonies at the time, and they ratified a document that had been written just a couple of days earlier. And you're probably fairly familiar with this document at this point. In fact, you're, you might be most familiar with the first line of the second paragraph. And that line says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among those rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And they got together and they ratified that document, and that document became known as the Declaration of what? Oh, come on, people. You know this. Declaration of what? Independence. That's right. I think it was worse the second time. The Declaration of Independence. And independence and freedom is a, is a word that we will use a lot this weekend. It's a word that we talk about a lot. And this document, it came together and it declared that these 13 colonies are free and independent states away from the tyranny, the great tyranny of King George III, right? It was the original Brexit, but just kind of backwards. Uh, people were leaving. And so they got together and they put together this document and declared that they were free and independent. And that's what we celebrate this weekend. We celebrate that we are free and independent. We celebrate it as a nation, and we do so by overeating and watching things explode, right? In fact, this weekend, this weekend, Americans will eat 150 million hot dogs. I read that on the internet, so it has to be true. <laughs> Last night, our family ate four hot dogs, so we're doing our part. And it was, my daughter ate the first hot dog she's ever eaten that was not made of turkey and that was not organic. And I can promise you, she's never going back. She's never going back to the turkey organic hot dogs. But that's how we'll celebrate this weekend. But those words, independent and free, are important words to us, aren't they? They're important words to us as a nation. They're really important words to us as individuals, too. We believe in if we, and we live as if we are free and independent people, and that is very important to us as individuals, especially living in this culture, that as an individual, as a person, I am in control of my life, and I am free and independent to make whatever decision that I want to make as to how am I going to live, what decisions am I going to make, what profession am I going to have, what way am I going to think. We believe that we are free and independent as individuals to choose to do whatever it is is that we want to do. The question that I want us to think about this morning together, just for a few moments, and the idea and the concept that we're going to talk about today is something that I think is simple to grasp, difficult to apply, and quite a profound truth when it comes to the good news of Jesus Christ. I think it's easy to understand, it's very difficult to apply, but it is one of the foundational and profound truths when it comes to what we call the gospel. What I want us to think about this morning is whether or not, as individuals, we are really as free and independent as we think that we are, or declare that we are. It is an important thing to us, especially in our culture, 
that we think of ourselves as very free and independent people, free to choose whatever we want, free to live however we want. What I want us to think about this morning is, are we really as free as we think that we are? Or is that freedom somewhat of an illusion? If you've been with us over the last few weeks, we've been walking through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. It's called the Book of Romans in your Bible. And the Apostle Paul, in the first century, he penned this letter to the church, a group of Christians that were meeting together in the city of Rome. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that one of the things that Paul is asserting is he is saying, here's, the, here's what's changed because Jesus has come. Jesus came into this world, and here is what changed. Rather than living underneath the law of God, Paul says, rather than living a life trying to impress God by what we do, Paul says we can have a relationship with God by just believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. Rather than this whole thing relying on my actions and my ability to live a life that's pleasing to God and God finds impressive, Paul says something is radically different because Jesus has come. Now it's based on our belief and trust in Jesus and not following the law and trying to live up to God's standard. And so the question that Paul has to answer now is, does it mean the fact that Jesus Christ has come and set us free from the law, does that mean that we are now free to do whatever we want? Does that mean that we can now live however we want and do whatever we want and make whatever decision that we want? And so Paul is going to spend this, this short section in the book of Romans answering that question. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 15, through Romans chapter 7, verse 6. And this is the question that Paul is answering. Since we're set free from the law through Jesus, does that mean that we get to do whatever we want? And this is what Paul says. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey? Either sin which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to, to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? 
For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive, but if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. To him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So what is Paul saying there? Very simply... This is what Paul is saying to us and to the people to which he was writing. He's saying to us that we as individuals are not nearly as free and independent as we often think that we are. In fact, Paul uses somewhat of what may appear to us to be a very difficult analogy to accept. Paul says all of us are slaves to something. Now, Paul is trying to find a metaphor to be able to explain to the people what it looks like to turn from following other things to following Jesus Christ. And the metaphor that he uses is a metaphor that I think can be pretty uncomfortable for us. And that is, he says, that we are all slaves to something. I think that Paul himself realized that the metaphor wasn't exactly perfect because in verse 19, if you look back, he says to the people, he said, listen, I'm speaking here in human terms, trying to put this in a way that we can all understand. But before we move on to exactly what Paul is saying, I want to take just a moment to talk about why Paul might choose this metaphor and what he means by it. I think it's an important part of this passage. Just two weeks ago, Lori and I celebrated our 10th anniversary, uh, our 10th wedding anniversary, and we went on a trip that we have been planning on going on for a long time. And so we had the, the privilege and the great time of going over to Italy and spending uh, a week together, 10 days together in the country of Italy. And while we were in the city of Rome, here's one thing you notice about the city of Rome as you go through it. Rome today tells the story of two very different time periods. As you go through all the sites and the things to see, there are two very different periods in the city of Rome. One period in the city of Rome is the Renaissance period. And so you walk through the Vatican, and you walk through the Sistine Chapel, and you walk through the Vatican Museums, and you see all of those pieces of art uh, who I assume were painted by the, the Ninja Turtles, because that's who I know them as. And so you see all of those pieces of art that were, that were painted there 500 years ago, and it's really beautiful and amazing. You walk into the Sistine Chapel, and one thing I realize is no picture could ever capture what it means to stand in that place and to see an entire building that is one work of art. But there's a very different Rome that you also see. Not the Rome from 500 years ago, but the Rome from 2,000 years ago. The Rome to which Paul is writing in this letter. 
And that's the Rome of the Colosseum. The Colosseum would have been started just at the end of Paul's life. They started construction on the Colosseum. A 50,000-seat arena that was dedicated uh, to things like watching people fight and watching people die and brutal brutality. And there are huge archways that existed at the time when Paul would have been writing this letter. And when you walk through old Rome, some of it that was there when Paul uh, was there, some of it being built just at the end of his life, and some a couple hundred years later, you realize that old Rome, ancient Rome, is not about the beauty and the grandeur. Old Rome is about power and authority. And ancient Rome wasn't built... Uh, by getting some people together with a common ideal and allowing them to vote and all share their ideas and coming together with a society. Ancient Rome was built from the top down. And so at the time that Paul is writing his letter to the church in Rome, estimates vary from historians, but most historians agree that 30 to 40% of the people living in Italy at the time that Paul's writing this letter would have been enslaved. Now that slavery may look a little bit different than the slavery that we think of in our own history. It wasn't based on race. It was more based on social class. And it was not a good life. But in many cases, it was not as inhumane and brutal as unfortunately some slavery is and remains in in the world today. And slaves, in many cases, in ancient Rome, had the opportunity to either buy or work their way to freedom. So, 30 to 40% of Paul's audience reading this letter were probably living in some form of enslavement, and many more, at one point in their life, had probably been slaves, who had now been given their freedom or purchased their freedom. And certainly the entire church was well aware of the practice of slavery and what it meant in their culture. So Paul is finding a metaphor that, will, that his audience will understand. And he's saying to them, listen, we are all slaves to something. We're all controlled by something. And either, Paul says, you're controlled by the things of this world and sin, or you're controlled and enslaved to Christ. That's the option that he gives his readers. Now, for us today, we really don't like this message. There's something about this message that that even my uh, spirit wants to fight against. To say, we're not controlled by anything. We choose what we're going to do. We choose how we're going to think. We choose how we're going to act. And maybe in the ancient world or in other times, people went through this. But today, we are free and independent people. If you'll just uh, oblige me for a moment, I'd like to ask every single person, would you pull out your cell phone real quick? Some of you already have it in your hand. You're, you're looking at Facebook. This is really handy. You can just, just lift it right up. But you pull out your, your cell phone. Now, probably most of us, your cell phone is on vibrate or silent right now, but I bet you that your cell phone is on. So do something with me. Hold down that button. Hold down the button on your cell phone, whatever it looks like on your cell phone, and then turn that thing all the way off. (laughs) 
Now our ushers are going to collect these. No, that's not true. That's not true. Why is it that we free and independent thinking and independent-minded people find it so difficult to turn this off? And why is the idea that someone else would actually come and take this from us laughable? Why did everyone know that was a joke right away? We like to think that we are free and independent people. The truth is, we have all made decisions in our life to choose to allow ourselves to be controlled by other things and other people. We are controlled by these things, most of us in the room. If this thing buzzes, we will go running. If it lights up, we will answer it. And all of us, many of us, we've chosen to give ourselves over to this. We have chosen to be a part of this. We didn't have to. No one forced us to. But we've made a decision to choose to have a cell phone, to choose uh, to let it govern much of what we do. And so if we have a free moment, we'll grab it and we'll look at it and we'll see what's going on. In fact, us free and independent people, we're not necessarily as free and independent as we like to think all the time. There's a fascinating TED Talk by a man named Ellie Parazer. And if you were to Google TED Talks filter bubbles, you could watch it. It's only nine minutes long. And in that TED Talk, he talks about how, how different companies on the Internet watch our search patterns as individuals, even when we're not logged into their sites, and tailor everything that we experience on the Internet uh, so that it matches who we are. So that if I Googled, if I Googled um, something that had happened recently, if I Googled the presidential election and someone else in this audience Googled the presidential election, our search results on Google would be totally different. And what appears in our Facebook feeds would be totally different. And in many ways, uh, those of us that think of ourselves as free and independent people, we're much less in control than we think that we are in a lot of cases. And Paul's saying the same is true of our spiritual life. The same is true of our spiritual life. We have a choice to make, Paul says. The good news is we can choose who we give ourselves to or what we give ourselves to. But all of us are controlled by something. And Paul says to us, and he says to his audience, you have a choice to make. Either you will choose the things of this world and allow yourself to be controlled by them, or you will choose Christ and allow yourself to be controlled by him. You can only choose one or the other. You can't choose both. In fact, Paul is, uses the illustration of marriage in chapter 7. And he says, listen, you can either be married to this world and the old way of living, or you can be married to Christ. Those are your two options, but you cannot be unmarried. And whichever relationship you choose, that relationship will shape exactly how you think and exactly how you live and what you do. And Paul says to us, if we choose to be mastered, if we choose to bond ourselves, if we choose a relationship with the things of this world, the way that that will lead us is only towards sin and death. And here's how this works in our lives. If we choose for an ultimate thing to be something other than Christ, it leads us down a road that does not lead to life, but leads to death. 
So if we choose something like success to be the thing that drives us and the master that we serve, it leads us to things like abandoning relationships that are more important so that we might achieve success. It leads us to things like compromising our integrity so that we might obtain success. It leads us to feeling paranoid and wondering who's watching over our shoulders. It leads us towards anxiety and fatigue and sacrificing all else that we might gain it. Or if we choose acceptance as that thing that's going to drive us, then it drives us to places of jealousy and envy and anxiety what Paul says to us is we're all controlled by something. We choose to put something out there that is that master that controls us. And Paul says we have one, of, one choice to make. It can either be Christ or it can be something else. But if we choose Christ, it leads to life. And if we choose something else, it will inevitably lead us down a road that we do not want to go down. Have you ever met somebody who was struggling with an addiction and their life was out of control and everybody could see it except for them? And maybe some of us in the room have been there. And there is this illusion that I can stop whenever I want, I'll quit when I want, I'm in control, I've got everything under control, and I'll make the change when it's time for me to make the change. And those of us who are standing on the outside are saying to the person, no, don't you understand, you're not in control. We want to help you gain control. And the person will say back, no, I'm in control. I'm making the decisions. I'm the one who is is making this decision. And when it's time to change, I'll change. Paul is telling us, those of us who are serving something other than Christ, that is the exact same frame of mind we are in. That we are denying the reality of how we are living. That we are servants to something that is leading us down a road that we do not want to go down. And all the while we're denying the reality that we are controlled by something else. That we're controlled by lust. That we're controlled by pride. That we're controlled by greed. That we're controlled by acceptance. That we're controlled by relationships. That we're controlled by our addictions. That we're controlled by all of these things that we say in our minds we're not controlled by. But our actions when no one is looking or even when they are tell us something quite different. And we keep telling ourselves, well, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop those things. I'm not going to do those things anymore. I'm going to make a better decision. I'm going to change my life. But time and time again, we're not able to do what we promise ourselves we're going to do. And Paul would say to us, that's right, because we're all controlled by something. And it's either Christ or it's something in this world. Christ leads to life and this world leads to to death. Towards the end of, of the Civil War, the Confederate capital of Richmond, Virginia, fell to the Union Army. And a couple of days after the capital fell to the Union Army, Army, President Abraham Lincoln went down to Richmond. And when he came to the city, there was this... Uh, One of his admirals named David Porter tells the story of a group of freed slaves recognizing that the president was in town and gathering around him. And they they were cheering and thanking him and praising him. And what Abraham Lincoln turned and said to them was this. He said, he said, and I'll paraphrase what he said. He said, you are no longer slaves. That identity 
is gone. And he said, bask in the liberty of that truth. But, learn the laws of this nation and obey them and live by them. And what, uh, what the president was saying to this group was, listen, your identity has changed for the better. Your identity has changed for the better. No longer are you slaves. Now you are free, but you are free now to live under the laws of this nation. And Paul's saying something very similar to us. That when we come to Christ and we put him first, our identity changes. Our identity changes. We no longer are slaves to the things that cause us to do things we do not want to do. We are now slaves to Christ. And that new identity, in that new identity, we have to learn what it means to live with Christ in control. And so now that he's the one that we serve, he's the master that's in charge, our lives begin to reflect the reality of that new relationship. And here's the simple truth that I think is, is maybe easy to understand, but incredibly difficult to apply. The simple truth is, is that we have a choice to make, whether we are going to serve sin and the things of this world, or whether we are going to serve Christ. And when we choose this world, or we choose Christ, our lives will look radically different. It's a simple thing to understand, a very difficult choice to make. If we are going to put Christ at the top, if we are going to serve him alone, if we are going to keep him as the master over our life, and if we are going to allow that relationship to change the way we behave. talk a lot about Independence Day this weekend. This is what Paul would call our Independence Day. The day that we choose to live independent of sin and independence on Christ. Paul would say, you want to know what your true Independence Day is? You want to know what true freedom looks like? It's the day that you choose to stop living dependent on sin and to start living independence on Jesus Christ. And for some of us in this room this morning, that is something that we've never done before. We have thought in our own hearts and in our minds that we are living as free and unique and independent individuals. But the truth is, is there are things going on in our hearts and our minds that we know have control of us that aren't healthy and are leading us to dark places. And I want you to know that today can be the day of true independence where you make the choice to stop putting those things first and to put Christ in the place and live independent on him. And there's some of us in this room that have put Christ in that place, but the reality is there are still places in our lives where we are letting something else rule, where we are letting something else be in control. And maybe today is a day that we would look at those places in our lives and we would once again declare our independence of those places and our dependence on Christ. That we would stop relying on ourselves and relying on the things of this world and begin to rely on Christ in those areas. Listen, all of us in the room this morning are serving something. We're all serving some ultimate end. 
Some of us in this room are serving success. Some of us in this room are serving acceptance and relationships. Some of us in this room are serving money. Some of us in this room are serving our own selfish desires. And some of us are in this room are serving Christ. Paul reminds us this morning you can't do both. It's one or the other. So for all of us, may this be a day of true independence where we live independent of sin and independence on Christ. I'm going to invite our worship team back up to the stage as we close this morning. And I'd invite you, if you would, just to spend a couple moments in prayer today. And maybe as we have this time together, maybe today would be the first day that in your own heart you would say to yourself, I am going to stop living independent of Christ and I'm going to start living independence on him. And so you would in your own heart and in your own mind this morning. Say that, those very words to him. That you would say, Jesus, I want to live independence on you. I want you to be the one that I serve. And maybe for some of us this morning, this morning would be a morning where we would recognize that Christ has been one we have served in the past, but right now there are areas in our lives where we are serving something else. And I know that I have to do this in my own heart and in my own mind. Sometimes I find myself serving things other than Christ and I have to go back. And I have to say I'm sorry. And put Christ back in that rightful spot. In my heart and in my mind. And so maybe this morning would be a morning that you would do that. And for those of us who are serving Christ today, maybe today would be a morning where you would take a moment and just say thank you for the freedom that he brings and the freedom that he gives. And thank him that you are able to live independence on him. That he is there to meet every need. God, we give you glory this morning. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, that even if we have found ourselves living independent on something other than you, that there is always forgiveness in your presence. That we can always come back and find your love and find your grace and be made right with you and start that relationship again with you. And so I pray for those who are here this morning that are doing that even right now, beginning that relationship for the first time, coming back and admitting to you that they put something else on the throne. God, I pray that in this moment that your Holy Spirit would touch us. God, that you would remind us of the life that comes through Christ. Life that nothing in this world can offer. And Lord, would you make us the kind of people who would serve you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close this service song together?